Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we'll read chapters 29 and 30. Now, in the previous episode, we read chapters 27 and 28. And a quick recap is that now Piper has her hunches correct after seeing some suspicious actions that the princess, now known as Medea, was doing. And in the midst of it, it's they, she starts to notice Jason and Leo start to turn into a trance-like stature. And Medea tries to make the two of them go into a battle to the death, but luckily... Piper has charm speak and with her charm speak she's able to talk the both of them out of fighting to the death which is very great we really appreciate that now Medea uh, is running out of backup plans because she did not come up with any enough plan b's and plan c's for um in order to kill because she was thinking that Jason and Leo were going to fight to the death and Piper would just have to stand there watching them get killed but obviously that didn't happen so with her running out of backup plans, she starts to go towards the potions, but Piper, with her impeccable aim, throws her shield to make Medea fall into her potion aisle and get drenched with several potions, which, according to Medea, while she is yelling at Piper, is extremely harmful and can possibly kill everyone in the store. But we have our savior, Festus, who arrives and is able to take everyone with them including the witch but piper decides to leave the witch behind and that she's okay with uh her boyfriend jason's memories still being gone because she'd rather keep him safe than have than exchange than let um than take a witch along just for jason's memory now we will have to continue to see if the endeavors of the trio will well what they will be as the time is slowly catching up to them for this quest in order to catch Hera. So now we will read chapter 29, Leo. Leo kept looking back. He half expected to see those nasty sun dragons toting a flying chariot with a screaming magical saleswoman throwing potions, but nothing followed them. He steered the dragon toward the southwest. Eventually, the smoke from the burning department store faded in the distance. But Leo didn't relax until the sub- suburbs of Chicago gave way to snowy fields and the sun began to set. Good job, Festus, he patted the dragon's metal hide. You did awesome. The dragon shuddered, gears popped and clicked in his neck. Leo frowned, he didn't like those noises. If the control disc was failing again, no. Hopefully it was something minor, something he could fix. I'll give you a tune-up the next time we land, Leo promised. You've earned some motor oil and Tabasco sauce. Festus whirled his teeth, but even that sounded weak. He flew at a steady pace, but his great wings angling to catch the wind. He was carrying a heavy load, two cages in his claws, plus three people on his back. The more Leo thought about it, the more worried he got. Even metal dragons had limits. Leo, Piper patted his shoulder. You feeling okay? Yeah, not bad for a brainwashed zombie. He hoped he didn't look as embarrassed as he felt. Thanks for saving us back there, beauty queen. If you hadn't talked me out of that spell, don't worry about it, Piper said. But Leo worried a lot. He felt terrible about how easily Medea had set him against his best friend. And those feelings hadn't come from nowhere. His resentment of the way Jason always got the spotlight and didn't really seem to need him. Leo did feel that way sometimes, even if he wasn't proud of it. What bothered him more was the news about his mom. 
Medea had seen the future down in the underworld. That was how her patron, the woman in the black earthen robes, had come to the machine shop seven years ago to scare him, ruin his life. That's how his mother had died. Because of something Leo might do someday. So in a weird way, even if his firepowers weren't to blame, mom's death was still his fault. When they had left Medea in that exploding store, Leo had felt a little too good. He hoped she wouldn't make it out and would go right back to the fields of punishment, where she belonged. Those feelings didn't make him proud either. And if souls were coming back from the underworld, was it possible Leo's mom could be brought back? He tried to put the idea aside. That was Frankenstein thinking. It wasn't natural. It wasn't right. Medea might have been brought back to life, but she hadn't seemed quite human. With the hissing nails and the glowing head and whatnot. No. Leo's mom had passed on, thinking any way would just drive Leo nuts. Still, the thought kept poking at him, like an echo of Medea's voice. We're gonna have to put down soon, he warned his friends. Couple more hours, maybe, to make sure Medea's not following us. I don't think Festus can fly much longer than that. Yeah, Piper agreed. Coach Hedge probably wants to get out of his canary cage, too. Question is... Where are we going? The Bay Area? Leo guessed. His memories of the department store were fuzzy, but he seemed to remember hearing that. Didn't Medea say something about Oakland? Piper didn't respond for so long, Leo wondered if he said something wrong. Piper's dad, Jason put in. Something happened to your dad, right? He got lured into some kind of trap. Piper let out a shaky breath. Look. Medea said you both would die in the Bay Area. And besides, even if we went there, the Bay Area is huge. First, we need to find Aeolus and drop off the storm spirits. Boreas said Aeolus would be the, was the only one who could tell us exactly where to go. Leo grunted. So how do we find Aeolus? Jason leaned forward. You mean you don't see it? He pointed ahead of them, but Leo didn't see anything except clouds and the lights of a few towns glowing in the dusk. What? Leo asked. That? Whatever it is, Jason said. In the air! Leo glanced back. Piper looked just as confused as he was. Right, Leo said. Could you be more specific on the whatever it is part? Like a vapor trail, Jason said. Except it's glowing really faint, but it's definitely there. We've been following it since Chicago, so I figured you saw it. Leo shook his head. Maybe Festus can sense it? You think Aeolus made it? Well, it's a magic trail in the wind, Jason said. Aeolus is the wind god. I think he knows we've got prisoners for him. He's telling us where to fly. Or it's another trap, Piper said. Her tone worried Leo. She didn't sound nervous. She sounded broken with despair. Like they'd already sealed their fate and like it was her fault. Pipes, you alright? He asked. Don't call me that. Okay, fine. You don't like any of the names I make up for you. But if your dad's in trouble and we can help, you can't, she said, her voice getting shakier. Look, I'm tired, if you don't mind. She leaned back against Jason and closed her eyes. All right, Leo thought. Pretty clear signal she didn't want to talk. They flew in silence for a while. Festus seemed to know where he was going. He kept his course, gently curving toward the south and the southwest and hopefully Aeolus' fortress. Another wind got to visit. 
A whole new flavor of crazy. Oh boy. Leo couldn't wait. He had way too much on his mind to sleep, but now that he was out of danger, his body had different ideas. His energy level was crashing, the monotonous beat of the dragon's wings made his eyes feel heavy. His head started to nod. Catch a few Z's, Jason said. It's cool. Hand me the reins. Nah, I'm okay, Leo, Jason said. You're not a machine. Besides, I'm the only one who can see the vapor trail. I'll make sure we'll stay on course. Leo's eyes started to close on their own. <sighs> Alright, maybe just... He didn't finish the sentence before slumping forward against the dragon's warm neck. In his dream, he heard a voice full of static, like a bad AM radio. Hello? Is this thing working? Leo's vision came into focus. Sort of. Everything was hazy and gray, with hands of interference running across his sight. He'd never dreamed with a bad connection before. He seemed to be in a workshop. Out of the corners of his eye, he saw bench saws, metal lathes, and tool cages. A forge glowed cheerfully against one wall. It wasn't the camp forge, too big. Not Bunker 9, much warmer and more comfortable, obviously not abandoned. Then Leo realized something was blocking the middle of his view. Something large and fuzzy and so close. Leo had to cross his eyes to see it properly. It was a large, ugly face. Holy mother, he yelped. The face backed away and came into focus. Staring down at him was a bearded man in grimy blue coveralls. His face was lumpy and covered with welts, as if he'd been bitten by a million bees, or dragged across gravel. Possibly both. Hmm, the man said. Holy father, boy, I should think you'd know the difference. Leo blinked. Hephaestus? Being in the presence of his father for the first time, Leo probably should have been speechless or awestruck or something. But after what he'd been through the last couple of days, with Cyclops and a sorceress and a phage in the potty in a, and a face in the potty sludge, all Leo felt was a surge of complete annoyance. Now you show up, he demanded, after 15 years. Great parenting for a face. Where do you get off sticking your ugly nose into my dreams? The god raised an eyebrow. A little spark caught fire in his beard. Then he threw back his head and laughed so loudly, the tools rattled on the workbenches. <laughs> you sound just like your mother, Hephaestus said. I miss Esperanza. She's been dead seven years, Leo's voice trembled. Not that you'd care. But I do care, boy, about both of you. Uh-huh, which is why I never saw you before today. The god made a rumbling sound in his throat, but he looked more uncomfortable than angry. He pulled a miniature motor from his pocket and began fiddling absently with the, with the pistons, just the way Leo did when he was younger. I'm not good with children, the god confessed, or people, well, any organic life forms, really. I thought about speaking to you at your mom's funeral. Then again, when you were in fifth grade, that science project you made steam-powered chicken chucker? Very impressive. You saw that? Hephaestus pointed to the nearest work table, where a shiny bronze mirror showed a hazy image of Leo asleep on the dragon's back. Is that me? Leo asked. Like, me, right now, having this dream. Looking at me having a dream. Hephaestus scratched his beard. Now you've confused me. But yes, it's you. 
I'm always keeping an eye on you, Leo, but talking to you is, um, different. You're scared, Leo said. Grommets and gears, the god yelled. Of course not. Yeah, you're scared. But Leo's anger seeped away. He spent years thinking about what he'd say to his dad if they ever met. How Leo would chew him out for being a dead bee. Now, looking at that bronze mirror, Leo thought about his dad watching his progress over the years. Even his stupid science experiments. Maybe Hephaestus was still a jerk. But Leo kind of understood where he was coming from. Leo knew about running away from people, not fitting in. He knew about hiding out in a workshop rather than trying to deal with organic life forms. So, Leo grumbled, you keep track of all your kids? You've got like 12 back at camp. How'd you even... Never mind, I don't even want to know. Ephesus might have blushed, but his face was so beat up and red it was hard to tell. Gods are different from mortals, boy. We can exist in many places at once, wherever people call on us. Wherever our sphere of influence is strong. In fact, it's rare our entire essence is ever together in one place, our true form. It's dangerous, powerful enough to destroy any mortal who looks upon us. So yes, lots of children. Add that to our different aspects, Greek and Roman. The god's fingers froze on his engine project. Er, that is to say, being a god is complicated. And yes, I try to keep an eye on all my children, but you especially. Leo was pretty sure. Hephaestus almost slipped and said something important, but he wasn't sure what. Why contact me now? Leo asked. I thought the gods had gone silent. We have. Hephaestus grumped. Zeus's orders. Very strange, even for him. He's blocked all visions, dreams, and iris messages to and from Olympus. Hermes is sitting around, bored out of his mind because he can't deliver the mail. Fortunately, I kept my old pirate broadcasting equipment. Hephaestus patted a machine on the table. It looked like a combination satellite dish, V6 engine, and espresso maker. Each time Hephaestus jostled the machine, Leo's dream flickered and changed color. Use this in the Cold War, the god said fondly. Radio free Hephaestus. Those were the days. I keep it around for pay-per-view, mostly. Or making viral brain videos. Viral brain videos? But now it's come in handy again. If Zeus knew I was contacting you, he'd have my hide. Why is Zeus being such a jerk? Huh. He excels at that boy. Hephaestus called him boy as if Leo were an annoying machine part. An extra washer, maybe. That had no clear purpose, but that... Hephaestus didn't want to throw away for fear he might need it for someday. Not exactly heartwarming. Then again, Leo wasn't sure he wanted to be called son. Leo wasn't about to start calling this big, awkward, ugly guy dad. Hephaestus got tired of his engine and tossed it over his shoulder. Before it could hit the floor, it sprouted helicopter wings and flew itself into a recycling bin. Uh, it was the second Titan War, I suppose, Hephaestus said. That's what, that's what Zeus... That's what got Zeus upset. We gods were, well, embarrassed. Don't think there's any other way to say it. But you won, Leo said. The god grunted. We won because the demigods of... Again, he hesitated as if, as if he'd almost made a slip. Of Camp Half-Blood took the lead. We won because our children fought our battle, battles for us, smarter than we did. If we'd relied on Zeus's plan, we would have all gone down to Tartarus fighting the storm, giant, storm giant Typhon, and Kronos would have won. Bad enough mortals won our war for us, but then that young upstart Percy Jackson, the guy who's missing, 
Hmm. Yes, him. He had the nerves to tell us uh, to to turn down our offer of immortality and tell us to pay better attention to our children. Or no offense. Oh, how could I take offense? Please go on ignoring me. Mighty understanding of you. Hephaestus frowned then sighed wearily. That was sarcasm, wasn't it? Machines don't have good sar- don't have sarcasm usually. But as I was saying, the gods felt ashamed, shown up by mortals. At first, of course, we were grateful. But after a few months, those feelings turned bitter. We are gods, after all. We need to be admired, look up to, held in awe and admiration. Even if you're wrong? Especially then. And to have Jackson refuse our gift as if being mortal were somehow being better than a god? Well, that stuck in Zeus's craw. He decided it was high time we got back to traditional values. Gods were to be respected. Our children were to be seen and not visited. Olympus was closed. At least that part was part of his reasoning. And of course, we started hearing of bad things stirring under the earth. The giants, you mean. Monsters reforming instantly. The dead rising again. Little stuff like that. Aye, boy. Hephaestus turned a knob on his pirate broadcasting machine. Leo's dream sharpened to full color, but the god's face was such a riot of red welts and yellow and black bruises. Leo wished it would go back to black and white. Zeus thinks he can reverse the tide, the god said. Halal the earth back to sleep as long as we stay quiet. None of us really believes that. And I don't mind saying, we're in no shape to fight another war. We barely survived the titans. And if we're repeating the old pattern, what comes next is even worse. The giants, Leo said. Hera said demigods and gods had to join forces to defeat them. Is that true? Mm, I hate to agree with my mother about anything, but yes, those giants are tough to kill, boy. They're a different breed. Breed? You make them sound like racehorses. Ha! The god said. More like war dogs. Back in the beginning, you see, everything in creation came from the same parents. Gaia and Oranos. Earth and sky. They had their different batches of children. Your titans, your elder cyclops, and so forth. Then Kronos, the head titan... Well, you've probably heard how he chopped up his father Oranos with a scythe and took over the world. Then we gods came along, children of the titans, and defeated them. But that wasn't the end of it. The earth bore a new batch of children, except they were sired by Taya Tartarus, the spirit of the eternal abyss. The darkest, most evil place in the underworld. Those children, the giants, were bred for one purpose. Revenge on us for the fall of the titans. They rose up to destroy Olympus, and they came awfully close. Hephaestus' beard began to smolder. He was—he absently swatted out the flames. What my blasted mother Hera is doing now. She's a meddling fool playing a dangerous game. But she's right about one thing. You demigods have to unite. That's the only way to open Zeus's eyes. Convince the Olympians they must accept your help. Your, your help. And that's the only way to defeat what's coming. You're a big part of that, Leo. The gods' gaze seemed far away. Leo wondered if he could really split himself into different parts. Where else was he right now? Maybe his Greek side was fixing a car going on a date, while his Roman side was watching a ball game and ordering pizza. Leo tried to imagine what it would feel to have multiple personalities. He hoped it wasn't hereditary. 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 Sorry. Why me? He asked. And as soon as he said it, more questions flooded out. Why claim me now? Why not when I was 13 like you're supposed to? Or you could have claimed me at 7 before my mom died. Why didn't you find me earlier? Why didn't you warn me about this? 
Leo's hands burst into flames. Hephaestus regarded him sadly. Hardest part, boy. Letting my children walk their own paths, interfering doesn't work. The fates make sure of that. As for the claiming, you are a special case, boy. The timing had to be right. I can't explain it much more, but... Leo's dream went fuzzy. Just for a moment, it turned into a rerun of Wheel of Fortune. Then Hephaestus came back into focus. Blast, he sensed. I can't talk much longer. Zeus is sensing an illegal dream. He is lord of the air, after all, including the airways. Just listen, boy. You have a role to play. Your friend Jason is right. Fire is a gift, not a curse. I don't give that blessing to just anyone. They'll never defeat the giants without you, much less the mistress they serve. She's worse than any god or titan. Who? Leo demanded. Hephaestus frowned, his image becoming fuzzier. I told you. Yes, I'm pretty sure I, to I told you. Just be warned. Along the way, you're going to lose some friends and some valuable tools. But that isn't your fault, Leo. Nothing lasts forever. Not even the best machines. And everything can be reused. What do you mean? I don't like the sound of that. No, you shouldn't. Hephaestus' image was barely visible now. Just a blob in the static. Just watch out, watch out for... Leo's dream switched to Wheel of Fortune just as the wheel had bankrupt and the audience said, Aww. Then Leo snapped awake to Jason and Piper screaming. And that's the end of chapter 29. I would say I that was a great chapter. And the fact that Leo finally got to talk to his dad and was able to, you know, connect with him finally is pretty great. I feel like, you know, I, I also appreciate Leo for maybe not uh, for like, you know, after a few like seconds, he realized there's no like point in like getting too mad at Hephaestus. He just needs to be grateful for like, you know, meeting his dad and like he was able to get some useful information as to like, you know, why the Olympian gods are not contacting any of their demigod children and all of that. So even us as the readers are also able to understand why the um, why Olympus isn't like, you know, contacting any of the demigods and why they're the demigods aren't able to contact their parents. So that chapter really provided us with some useful information and how there is possibly a mastermind behind all of this and how, um, you know, we have to see why they were screaming. We'll probably find out about that, why um, Jason and Piper were screaming. Hopefully it isn't too bad. Maybe possibly um, maybe some storm spirits in the sky, but we'll have we'll just have to see after we take a short break to and then afterwards we will read chapter 30 and right yeah after this break we'll read chapter 30 to see what why jason and piper were screaming and hopefully if they're able to make out of the the obstacle alive alive and well so yeah and we're back from the ads and now we're gonna read chapter 30 Leo. They spiraled through the dark in a freefall, still on the dragon's back, but fast as his hide was cold, his ruby eyes were dim. Not again, Leo yelled. You can't fall again. He could barely hold on. The wind stung his eyes, but he managed to pull open the panel on the dragon's neck. He toggled the switches. He tugged the wires. The dragon's wings flapped once, but Leo caught a whiff of burning bronze. The drive system was overloaded. Festus didn't have the strength to keep flying, and Leo couldn't get to the main control panel on the dragon's head, not in midair. He saw the lights of a city below them, just flashes in the dark as they plummeted in circles. They had only seconds before they crashed. 
Jason, he screamed, take Piper and fly out of here. What? We need to lighten the load. I might be able to reboot Festus, but he's carrying too much weight. What about you? Piper cried. If you can't reboot him, I'll be fine, Leo yelled. Just follow me to the ground. Go. Jason grabbed Piper around the waist. They both unbuckled their harnesses, and in a flash, they were gone, shooting into the air. Now, Leo said, just you and me, Festus, and two heavy cages. You can do it, boy. Leo talked to the dragon while he worked, falling at terminal velocity. He could see those city lights below him getting closer and closer. He summoned fire in his hand so he could see what he was doing, but the wind kept extinguishing it. He pulled a wire what he thought connected the dragon's nerve center to its head, hoping for a little wake-up jolt. Festus groaned, metal creaking inside his neck. His eyes flickered weakly to life and and he spread his wings. Their fall turned into a steep glide. Good, Leo said. Come on, big boy, come on. They were still flying in way too high, and the ground was way, was too close. Leo needed a place to land. Fast. There was a big river. No, not good for a fire-breathing dragon. He'd never get Festus out from the bottom if he sank, especially in freezing temperatures. Then, on the riverbanks, Leo spotted a white mansion with a huge snowy lawn inside a tall brick perimeter fence, like some rich person's private compound, all of it blazing with light. A perfect landing field. He did his best to steer the dragon toward it, and Festus seemed to come back to life. They could make this. Then everything went wrong. As they approached the lawn, spotlights along the fence fixed on them, blinding Leo. He heard bursts like tracer fire, the sound of metal being cut to shreds, and boom! Leo blacked out. When Leo came to his senses, Jason and Piper were leaning over him. He was lying in the snow, covered in mud and grease. He spit a clump of frozen grass out of his mouth. Where? Lie still. Piper had tears in her eyes. You rolled pretty hard when... When Festus... Where is he? Leo sat up. But his head felt like it was floating. They landed inside the compound. Something had happened on the way in. Gunfire? Seriously, Leo, Jason said. You could be hurt. You shouldn't. Leo pushed himself to his cage. Then he saw the wreckage. Festus must have dropped the big canary cages as he came over the fence because they rolled in different directions and landed on other sides, perfectly undamaged. Festus hadn't been so lucky. The dragon had disintegrated. His limbs were scattered across the lawn. His tail hung on the fence. The main section of his body had plowed a trench 20 feet wide and 50 feet long across the mansion's yard before breaking apart. What remained of his, what remained of his hide was a charred, smoking pile of scraps. Only his neck and head were somewhat intact, resting across a row of frozen bush, rose bushes like a pillow. No, Leo sobbed. He ran to the dragon's head and stroked its snout. The dragon's eyes flickered weakly. Oil leaked out of his ear. You can't go, Leo pleaded. You're the best thing I ever fixed. The dragon's head whirred its gears, as if it was purring. Jason and Piper stood next to him, but Leo kept his eyes fixed on the dragon. He remembered what Hephaestus had said. That isn't your fault, Leo. Nothing lasts forever, not even the best machines. His dad had been trying to warn him. It's not fair, he said. The dragon clicked. Long creak. Two short clicks. Creak, creak. Almost like a pattern. 
triggering it, triggering an old memory in Leo's mind. Leo realized Festus was just trying to say something. He was using Morse code, just like Leo had taught him years ago. Leo listened more intently, translating the clicks into letters. A simple message, repeating over and over. Yeah, Leo said. I understand. I will. I promise. The dragon's eyes went dark. Festus was gone. Leo cried. He wasn't even embarrassed. His friends stood on either side, patting his shoulders, saying comforting things. But the buzzing in Leo's ears drowned out their words. Finally, Jason said, I'm so sorry, man. What did you promise Festus? Leo sniffled. He opened the dragon's head panel just to be sure, but the control disc was cracked and burned beyond repair. Something my dad told me, Leo said. Everything can be, re can be reused. Your dad talked to you? Jason asked. When was this? Leo didn't answer. He worked at the dragon's neck hinges until the head was detached. It weighed about 100 pounds, but Leo managed to hold it in his arms. He looked up at the starry sky and said, Take him back to the bunker. Dad, please. Until I can reuse him, I've never asked you for anything. The wind picked up and the dragon's head floated out of Leo's arms like it weighed nothing. It flew into the sky and disappeared. Piper looked at him in amazement. He answered you? I had a dream, Leo managed. Tell you later. He knew he owed his friends a better explanation, but Leo could barely speak. He felt like a broken machine himself, like someone had removed one little part of him, and now he'd never be complete. He might move, he might talk, he might keep going and do his job, but he'd always be off balance, never calibrated exactly right. Still, he couldn't afford a breakdown completely, otherwise Festus had died for nothing. He had to finish this quest, for his friends, for his mom, for his dragon. He looked around, the large white mansion glowed in the center of the grounds. Tall brick walls with lights and security cameras now sur surrounding the perimeter. But now Leo could see, or rather sense, just how well those walls were defended. Where are we? He asked. I mean, what city? Omaha, Nebraska, Piper said. I saw a billboard as we flew in. But I don't know what this mansion is. We came in right behind you, and but as you were landing, Leo, I swear it looked like, I don't know, lasers, Leo said. He picked up a piece of the dragon wreckage and threw it, uh, threw it toward the top of the fence. Immediately, a turret popped up from the brick wall and a beam of pure heat incinerated to the, the bronze plating to ashes. Jason whistled. Some defense system? How are we even alive? Festus, Leo said miserably. He took the fire. The laser sliced him to bits as he came in so they didn't focus on you. I led him into a death trap. You couldn't have known, Piper said. He saved our lives again. But what now? Jason said, the main gates are locked, and I'm guessing I can't fly us out of here without getting shot down. Leo looked up the walkway at the big white mansion. Since we can't go out, we'll have to go in. And that's the end of chapter 30. Man, Festus was, I would say, a very integral part of the entire journey with the trio and i'm very glad i i think his sacrifice will will be um honored very well and i ho really hope that the trio is able to complete this quest in the name of festus and for leo's mom and for everyone else because you know festus really 
tried to sell you know tried to save the trio by you know landing himself into the fence and i'm not sure if festus has a mind of his uh, of their own or they don't but i really do think that i'm pretty sure festus does and what they did was pretty great and i really do hope that you know they're able to fulfill their promises of you know festus being able to be reused and also you know them successfully completing the quest and being able to risk rescue hera so that was the end of chapter 30 we'll have to see next week um what's going to happen when they go inside the mansion hopefully they won't be killed or they might as well meet probably another monster since when do they not meet a monster when do they ever meet a mortal so yeah i will read a little bit of chapter 31 and then afterwards we'll sign off chapter 31 jason jason would have died five times on the way to the front door if not for leo First, it was the motion-activated trapdoor on the sidewalk, then the lasers on the steps, then the nerve gas dispenser on the porch railing, the pressure-sensitive poison spikes in the welcome mat, and of course, the exploding doorbell. Leo deactivated all of them. It was like he could smell the traps, and he picked just the right tool out of his belt to disable them. And that might be a pretty short sneak peek into the next chapter, but it seems really interesting, and I think that... If I go any further, it might uh, ruin the purpose of that entire chapter. But it seems that this mansion ha- probably has something that it really needs to protect. Because if it has that many defense mechanisms, I'm pretty sure it probably has something valuable. Or the person living inside might be in extreme danger. And that's why they set up all these defense mechanisms to keep themselves safe. But either way, we'll just have to find out next time when we read chapters 31 to 32 thank you guys for the for um listening to me on this episode uh if you really do enjoy uh listening to me and and want to support me this is totally optional but you can go to my patreon and you can choose to support me there and the patreon link is available in the description of the podcast again totally optional uh just listening is also enough but if you guys want to support me, you have that option. Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, until next week, we'll read chapters 31 and 32 to see who is really behind all these defense mechanisms and for what is their purpose. And, and until then, stay safe and stay out of boredom. <laughs>